0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Ever since the pandemic began, the pessimistic side of my personality has kind of been running rampant. It takes almost nothing for worry and concern to overwhelm my currently feeble optimism and cheerfulness. Against my better judgment, I often succumb to catastrophizing about the future. I catastrophize about the future of our country and our democracy. I catastrophize about the economy. I catastrophize around the new variants of COVID, or the environment, or... Really, whatever. I often feel anxious and powerless. I worry about my kids and the world that we are giving to them. And I often feel like the world around me is spinning out of control. And unfortunately, my loved ones and I are along for the ride. Now, yes, of course there really are reasons for optimism. There are bright lights shining out there. Real change is being worked towards and emerging. And yet, and yet so much of the world is heartbreaking. And that heartbreaking, heartbreakingness is exhausting. In response... To that exhaustion, my, my natural inclination is to, to try to tune out the world and, and to lose myself in distraction. Now, with moderation, this is not a bad thing. It's not a bad instinct. Everyone needs a break from the world to take care of themselves. But what I also realize is that an inordinate desire to tune out the suffering around me is a symptom of of fear, burnout, of despair, of losing hope. And frankly, it's also a sign and a symbol of my privilege. One of the the curious things about this dynamic that we are facing these days, the, the fear that grips us is how directly our gospel lesson speaks to our circumstances now of course there is a a 2,000 year gap between when the words that we heard from Jesus were spoken and us that it speaks to us in our own context and in our own time even when those words are strange and today is no different We've entered a new liturgical year, and we will be listening to the Gospel of Luke a lot this year. It's the first time we've heard Luke in a long time. But interestingly, as we begin this new year, we don't start the story with the the beginning of Jesus' life, or even with predictions of his birth. Rather, we begin looking at the Gospel of Luke with Jesus speaking to us, from the week of his death, at the end of his public ministry. Continuing with the apocalyptic themes that we've had in our lessons for the last few weeks, we hear Jesus this morning speaking to his disciples about calamity and disaster. Disaster on a cosmic scale. Jesus speaks of signs of disruption among the heavens, He reports of the nations of the earth being distressed. He describes fear becoming rampant among people. This fear will arise because all that had once appeared stable now looks to be passing away. All that was once orderly and relatively certain now appears to be unreliable and at risk. Fear is the natural response, and succumbing to fear is what Jesus is warning against. In times like these, it's easy to let fear start to dominate our lives. Now, I want to say, in and of itself, fear can be healthy. It could be an appropriate response to the events of our lives. Fear can be an ally. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the management of fear. But if we let fear take the reins and start to control our lives, then it can become something like the opposite of belief And trust. When when fear begins to dominate us, then it will obscure our hope. It will obscure our hope and the potential of God to shine a light in darkness and to bring new life out of even death. In response to this fear. We must remember the, that the commandment do not fear is probably the most common command in the whole of the Bible. But fear is a subtle enemy. It doesn't always manifest itself in the ways that we might expect. Yes, fear does manifest itself as paranoia. Yes, it can manifest itself as, as violence and, and lashing out with a desire to destroy a person or a thing causing the fear. Sometimes instead though, we might just wanna to try to numb the fear and close our eyes to the pain and to the trouble. Sometimes we hope to, to tune out and to turn away We look to lose ourselves in frivolity. Then we become overly preoccupied with our own lives and our own concerns. Or, sometimes, sometimes we look to to gobble up as much information as we can about a specific event or thing, hoping that if we get a little bit more information, we might be able to, to control the thing that frightens us by making sense of it. Fear is a subtle enemy. Jesus speaks to his disciples about being on guard against the power of fear. He he warns against their hearts being weighed down with what he calls dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And in doing so, Jesus is looking to explore all of the ways that, the many ways that fear can dominate us and and rule over our lives. In response to this fear and to all the things that might cause fear, Jesus says, stand up raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. For indeed, it might seem like the events that threaten us and cause us so much fear might have the last word. It might seem like these events that that shake the heavens and the earth are the ones who are in control but Jesus proclaims to us that they are not. When Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It is another way of saying that despite our fears, it is God who will get the last word. It's another way of saying that, that God's last word Will be a word of, of love and joy, restoration, and redemption. God's promise is to bring all things to a good end. And because this promise is so, we are invited to live today. We are invited to live today in hope and courage, attentive and aware and present, even in the most difficult and dire of circumstances. This hope that we are to carry with us is not a banal optimism. Optimism longs for things to get quickly better and maybe sometimes for a former status quo to be restored but hope abides whether things get quickly better get quickly get better or not and hope can do this because hope trusts in god and god's will for us and for the whole of creation hope trusts That our redemption is drawing near. Even when it seems to be absent. Even and especially when it seems impossible. This promise of God's word. This promise of this word is that it will not pass away. And because this is so, because this word will not pass away, we can then truly live in difficult times, truly live. Jesus calls on us to to stand up, to guard our hearts, to be alert, to open ourselves in prayer. We are called on to work for justice and peace in the world around us, to bear witness to God's justice and peace that reigns. And whether we are doing small things or great things, we do so because we trust, because we hope. We don't do it because we feel like we might save the world, but rather... Because God has already begun that process. And that therefore we are free to live in such a way as we are doing our part to share in what God is already doing. We have entered the season of Advent, it is a season of preparation as we look toward the celebration of the birth of Christ. We prepare ourselves for the birth of the one who embodies our hope, the one who is the light that shines in the darkness of whom darkness could never overcome. But beyond just this remembering that Christ has come and beyond remembering as we prepare ourselves for his arrival in our now, part of what Advent is about is waiting for the emergence of the fullness of God's kingdom when Christ comes again. Advent is in part about waiting and watching as we look forward to when our hope will be fully realized and God's perfect peace and justice will reign. In the meantime, in the meantime, as we wait and watch in anticipation of this coming rain, we are called to greet calamity and disaster with hope and with courage and not fear and despair. For Jesus calls us, to stand up and to raise our heads because indeed, indeed our redemption draws near. Amen.